Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. How many of you are ready for the word of the Lord? Before I even share that, I've got to do this. We, we were doing a song. We were, I think it was the second song, but it was like, I raise a hallelujah, right? And then there's one, void, there's one verse that just I've never really thought about, and I'm probably not going to get it right, but it says, I will stand and watch the darkness flee. I will stand and watch the, I raise a hallelujah, I will watch the darkness flee. And immediately I just began to think about how many people are dealing with anxiety, how many people are dealing with depression, how many people are dealing with just, with, uh, with just, just, just a lot of the pressures of the world. And immediately it was just like a light switch turned on. And the answer to a lot of folks is literally found in worship. I raise a hallelujah. I worship the Lord. I praise. And then all of a sudden, as I'm worshiping, you know what I mean? That heaviness, that cloud that I can sometimes find myself in, it just lifts. And so, so anyway, I hope that ministers to somebody. We are in a relationship series. It's called Winning in Relationships. And I want to get your Bibles, encourage you to get your Bibles ready. And, um, but today I want us to know that many people are in need of help in relationships. The reason why I know that is because they have like a whole channel called the Hallmark Channel and it has to do with, it has to do with relationships. And in most of the books, you go to a bookstore, man, you're going to find, you know, uh, experts, so-called experts, you know, writing their expert opinion on relationships, everything from relationships between husbands and wives to, you know, relationships between, you know, you know, wayward children and, and their parents. And so, so everybody's got an opinion, but can I just tell you this, maybe even your best friend's opinion when in the area of relationships, isn't, it's not a right opinion. And if you, don't, if you don't agree with me, let me just say one of the things that as a pastor that I'm seeing more and more take place is, is that there are groups of people that have learned to do life together, and then all of the sudden, one person in the group ends up getting a divorce, and then they continue to do life with, with the rest of the group, which are, which are married folks. And this one person that is now newly divorced is just celebrating. Boy, you just don't even know how amazing it is to get rid of that old ball and chain that I've been dragging. And boy, I've been going out to the, you know, to the clubs and to the bars and meeting all kinds of different, different people. And man, it just feels like life has just come back to me again. And then guess what? Then another one is like, well, I want life to come back to me. And so they, they take their eyes off of their husband or their wife, and the next thing you know, they're, you know, they, they're, they're divorced. And then the next thing you know, there's another person in the group that was, that was divorced. And I'm just telling you, folks, that it's a lie. And just because somebody is telling you how great it is to be single once again, you will soon find out that it's not as great as you, as you were led to believe. Amen? All right, so when something is problematic, 
When something is an issue, relationships, there wouldn't be so much information on relationships. When something is problematic, it is indicative that we return to the word of the Lord to find out how we're supposed to deal with relationships. So you have to almost erase, erase, erase everything that you've been taught and let's go back to the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord speaks a whole bunch about relationships. What does the Bible say about being single? What does the Bible say about being married? What does the Bible say about dating? What does the Bible say about how you're supposed to treat your, your, your friends? What does the Bible say about a parent-child relationship? What's important in those areas? And so when we have questions, like you don't need to be going down to you know, Barnes and Noble and finding out what the so-called experts have to say about it. You need to go to the expert, which is the word of God, and find out what it says about the relationship issues that you may be having. And so I just wanted to do a quick poll just this morning just so I can see who I'm talking to this morning. I wonder, is there anybody in the house that is single? You're single in the house. Boy, Kaylee, I didn't see anybody's hand go up faster than yours did. You were like, she was like, I'm single and red. No, you're not ready to mingle. You're not ready to mingle nothing. You don't need none of that. You got Jesus. Amen? That's right. We're not speaking that nonsense over you. So all the single people in the house, raise them up just real quick. Raise them up. Proud. All the single people are looking around. Oh, I didn't know they were single. Awesome. Keep them up. Uh, the balcony is a bunch of married people. Nobody's single up there. Or are you just like, we don't even have to. They're not talking to us. They're talking about those poor people on the floor. All right. So who is dating or engaged? Anybody dating or engaged? Raise them up nice and, nice and high. Awesome. I've got a photographic memory right now. Okay. Dating or engaged. Um, anybody just married and you're just killing it? Like you are just, you are married and you're ki like killing it in a good way, right? Anybody just married, but you're like, I wouldn't go to say I'm killing it in any way. Or, no, 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 don't, don't, don't raise your hand on that one. Do not raise your hand. You're like, I'm married. Let's just keep it at that. No. <laughs> so today, I want you to know that the title of the message is called Dating Gone Wrong. Dating Gone Wrong. And you might be thinking if you're married, oh great, another message that is not going to apply to me. But just like whenever I spoke to people that are single in the house, how it totally crossed over into, into marriage as well, I'm telling you that today is not just for single people. It's it, like there's a lot that you as married people can glean from today as well. So I want to share with you how relationships naturally progress in, 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 in our culture, in our world. So number one, we're single. Somebody say single. And then all of a sudden we fall in love. Say somebody say fall in love. No, say it like, you, say it like you're in love. I fall in love. Flutter, 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 patter, patter, patter. It's beautiful. And then we get married. Married. 
I can tell that we have people that have never, they have vowed to never marry again in the house today. And then all of a sudden, after you're married for a period of time, there's a baby. What was that nursery rhyme that we used to sing? First comes love, second comes marriage, then the baby in the baby carriage. Is there something before first comes love? Okay, so that was right. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage. That was a good one. I like that. Yeah. How many of that was the first time you've ever heard that? Okay, so. All right. All right. All right. So dating done wrong. So this is how relationships progress. And I just want to say this, that this progress, I don't think is, is properly is properly 100% correct. I honestly do not know how you can love somebody after only knowing them for a short period of time to the point where you're like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I think there's a lot of things that can be at work, you know, a lot of different feelings, um, but I don't know that you can get to love somebody enough in a short period of time to where you're like, I want to spend the rest of my life with him. I can tell you this, that many people have said it. In fact, some of you may have gone and maybe you're with that person today or not. Don't raise your hand. But some of you may have gone on one date or maybe two dates and then this is how the conversation went. Oh, man. I think, hmm. So you're in this two dates, right? I, I think I'm, I think I'm falling in love with you. And then all of the sudden, pitter patter, pitter patter, because we're so hungry to be loved. We're so like, you're like, OMG, really? See, we do not want to be alone so much. We're just like, we'll take whatever comes. And can I just tell you that there is no possible way that somebody after one or two dates can say that they love you. I mean, they may have the wrong definition of love and they're being true to what their definition is, but I'm telling you that true love absolutely cannot be cannot be expressed or given without sacrifice and you're telling me that when you got two people that are on their very best behavior like some of you you're like you're showering putting deodorant on and the smell good and then all of a sudden you get married and you just quit showering like like, you've got to go through some hardships and some struggles for true love to really be true love. Like, there has to be sac. I shared with you that, that my wife, a long time into our marriage, like, she finally found out that when her toothbrush was closer than my toothbrush, I would use it. And she was so appalled whenever she found out that I used her toothbrush. And then I found that some of y'all use your wife's toothbrush as well. So you left me out there all by myself. <laughs> and then when she 
saw that I like to kiss my dog, like right on the mouth. I'm like, come here, Gracie. You know, and some of you guys were like, that is the grossest thing. And then I asked you to raise your hand if you kiss your dog. Half the congregation raised their hand, but you left me out there. Like you've got to find out some things that you necessarily did not know about your spouse and then still choose to be with them after you found out those nasty things, those nasty nasty habits. And I'm saying this, that I'm not saying that maybe there's not puppy love or infatuation. I guarantee you there's hormones rolling. You know what I'm saying? There's endorphins and there's oxytocin, which, which make you just feel like a person makes you feel good. And you're thinking that love equates to feeling good. I'm telling you that is a lie from H E double L L. Love doesn't always make you feel good. Love is a commitment and it is devotion even when you don't feel good. Because I guarantee you, you can love somebody as much as, as, as like have the greatest love for somebody and that love's gonna be challenged. And guess what? When it's challenged, a lot of people are done gone. So our, our interpretation definition of love is often, is often wrong. And then we throw into the mix that because we live in a broken world, and I know I'm speaking to some folks here, probably, I'm just guessing with a group this size, but sometimes we, because we live in a broken world and we wanna be loved so much, like we give our bodies away, not even necessarily knowing the person, and maybe it's the first date that we're on with them, we give our bodies away, and then all of a sudden, the, because you don't even have to have love and you don't even have to have marriage for a baby to be coming along in a baby carriage. But you've been raised with such a, with, with, with such a, an upbringing that you're like, oh my gosh, now I got the baby coming and the right thing to do is to marry this woman or to marry this man. And then what we do, because we're in a broken world and we got it wrong, now we're praying to God, God help me to fall in love with this woman that I've just married. And I'm just saying this, that if that's you, God can help you. Like if you have entered into that, that marriage covenant relationship, like, like I'm telling you, you can have an incredible marriage with that person. But I wanna talk right now to the one that's single. You doing things appropriately and, 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 and properly, the positive way, the right way, it's like going through the gate instead of being torn through the knot hole. Like I'm saying that, listen, do single properly. Don't give your body away just to, just to anybody and everybody. Come on, have some boundaries. And so turn to your neighbor, give them a high five and say, listen, there's a better way. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you need to pay close attention because there's a better way. So... The better way, the better way is this. Number one, make the most of being single. I'm not going to re-preach my message from a couple of weeks ago, but God wants to teach you how to be single. First of all, how to fall in love with him and then how to fall in love with yourself because there's no possible way that you can love another without loving yourself and to truly Love God, that will also help you in loving and preferring another before you. So there's a lot of identity issues because nobody wants to be single. We jump into a relationship 
and we're expecting that other person, you know, to somehow reveal, you know, who we are or we become something after, man, now that I've married this person, now my identity and my purpose is somehow going to surface. Like the idea is for you to be solid before you share your life with another person. And if you're not, then I would put it on pause if you're single and I would get your life solid before you share your life with another person. All right. Matthew says it like this. Love God first. Love yourself, and now you're prepared to love another. Number two is this, date on purpose. So date with the purpose. What's the purpose? The purpose is to, is to, is to of course, get to know one another, but you're also dating to assess, is this person a godly choice for me? Is this person, does it fit within what I'm, what I'm, what I'm searching for? Are they going the same direction? Do they even love God? Do they even believe in God? Do they have a relationship with Jesus? Do they have a job? Do they have a job? Do they, are they selfish or selfless? Are they going to put me in front of themselves or are they just going to be self-serving, self-seeking? See, the idea is dating for you to really get to know the person so that you can advance the relationship if they have the qualifications that you're looking for. The problem is that some of y'all, might not some of you all, but some of those people online, they don't even know what they're looking. They don't even know, sorry online, I was talking about the others that aren't watching right now. But they don't even like have a clue on what they're looking for. And so anything, you know, I think it was Pastor Javi or somebody, we just throw, we just throw uh, lines out in the water and man, if something hits the fishing line, then, oh, that must be from the Lord. No, listen, you're going to have trash fish hitting your, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to want to eat. You're not going to want to eat everything that bites the end of your line. You're not going to want to consume that. It could kill you if you eat the wrong, you know, I pulled up a tire before and, uh, and just because it hit my line doesn't mean, that, doesn't mean that it's right for me. And so date on purpose. And then there's engagement. And this is time set aside for planning a wedding. And, and it's not open-ended engagement. Like it's engagement on purpose as well. And then number four, there's marriage. You get married, right? And then number five, I just put down cultivate love or fall in love. And you're like, well, that sounds funky and out of order. What do you mean fall in love? Once again, I don't believe that you can really truly fall in love with some, somebody unless that love has been tested. And if you read 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, man, it like time is a part of that. Love suffers long. Well, I've only known this person for two months. How in the world can you suffer long only knowing somebody for two months? Love is patient. How in the world can I learn patience for somebody when all I know is that person on their best behavior? I, I haven't even gotten a chance. I didn't even know he kissed animals. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that, that he... Anyway, I could just go on and on. Just, uh, the, Let me ask you a simple question. How much did you love Jesus before you accepted him as your Lord and personal savior? See, I don't believe that we truly fell in love with Jesus 
um, without first coming into covenant relationship with him. And their sacrifice, not only do we see his sacrifice, but he also, my brother and my sister, calls us to lay down our lives, that our lives are not our own. That means that I can't just go and do something because I want to do it because my life belongs to him. It's not even mine. It's a perfect picture of a marriage. You enter into marriage, your life, your body is not your own. It belongs even to another. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that here today. It's amazing how everything mirrors, the physical mirrors the natural, and the natural mirrors the physical. So God's plan is to love God first. Somebody say God first. first. Love self. And then you can love another. And then out of that love for another, you, you reproduce. You have babies, right, Jed? You have babies. It's a beautiful thing, wonderful thing. You start building a family. But that reproduction is meant to come out of love, not dysfunction. Reproduction is meant to come out of love and not dysfunction. But how many times, and you probably know people, how many times are people, and I hear this all the time, Javi and Davina do a lot of our marriage counseling here. They hear it, I'm sure, all the time. You know, we made a mistake. Oh yeah, what was the mistake? Well, our marriage was suffering, and we thought that bringing a baby into the marriage whenever the marriage was dysfunctional was somehow just gonna make, you know, make us love one another more and make just life easier. This is the most foolish thing that a couple can do. If the marriage is dysfunctional, I'm not saying that God can't come in and, and, and do a miracle. We see that happen all the time too. Because I'm speaking to people that got it wrong just like I got it wrong. There was a lady that came up to me after first service. She said, we, uh, we got it all wrong. I'm like, welcome to the club. There wasn't one thing that we did, we did right. But I'm just saying that, that, that I'm, once again, if you have the option on the front end to do things differently, if your marriage is a mess, do not bring a baby into that dysfunction. I'm not saying that God can't change the whole family, but, but for you to think that that's somehow going to make it easier, whew, it's not. That is wild thinking. And then all of a sudden, or another scenario was this, that, that, uh, that the husband doesn't need what the wife wants to give. How many of you know that women are nurturers, right? How many of you know that, 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 that they're creators, they're nurturers? You know, you give them a seed, they give you a baby. I mean, they're amazing, amazing. But this is the thing, there's a desire to nurture. And... Um, And if the marriage is dysfunctional and the husband doesn't seem like he needs what it is that you need to give, then a lot of times the decision will be made, well, I will have this baby and that baby is going to need every, it's going to need me. And so now I've got purpose, but the marriage is completely dysfunctional. It's the same scenario, same situation. And can I just tell you this? If there's dysfunction in the family, And you even say, you know what, we're fighting all the time, but we put the kids in bed and we just fight and they don't, you know, we never fight in front of them. Can I just tell you that kids are smart 
and they feel the heaviness and the weightiness, even if their doors close and you're, you're yelling in a whisper, like they, they get it. They completely understand it and they're affected by it. Let me just say this. Those kids are going to drink from the river that runs through your house. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, you think you're being quiet, they're still picking up on things. All of a sudden, listen to me now, they can only drink from the river that runs through your house. When they grow up and they get married, guess what? Guess what's going to be? Guess what's going to be prominent in their relationship? The very same thing that they saw happening in your home as they were growing up. Once again, God can change all that and, and parents can even go back. I've even gone back to my kids and, and, and apologized for certain things that I wish I had done right, that I did wrong. And so you can go back and God can do an incredible thing. But I'm talking to the, 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 the ones that are struggling right now. And, and, and you got issues like bringing a child into the center of that is not the best because what we do is we get mad whenever, whenever we produce after our own kind. And so our kids grow up and they're, they're going to reproduce what they know. And then we're mad and angry that that happens. Well, guess what? They're just doing what it is that they have learned and what it is that they've seen, you know, from you. And kids also stand on their own two feet. And so... So it's not just totally clear, like you can also raise them in a good way and they make their own decisions and things like that. But I'm just saying that, that kids pay attention and they become what they're, what they're around. And it's twisted whenever we bring a child in to help a relationship because a child will never be able to fulfill what is not being taken care of between a husband and a wife. And certainly, it'll never fulfill the, the, uh, the, the deficiencies that are in a relationship between a person and their God. A child cannot fix that. Child can do a lot of great things, but I'm also saying this, that there's some generational curses that need to be broke off of your family right now. Just like there's generational blessings that can be passed on from one generation to a next, there are generational curses. You're sitting here thinking, man, it's interesting. I, got, I, got, I had this drinking problem, and my dad had a drinking problem, and, and his dad had a drinking problem, and his dad had a drinking problem, and Man, this is, there's kind of a pattern going on here, and all of us are angry. What is that? That's a generational curse. It's something that's passed on. But you can break that. Like, you can break those things, and you can say, you know what? No more. I'm severing this, and it's not going to affect my family like it's done historically in the past. So number one, I want you to know this. The process needs to be repeated. What's the process? Being single. Number two is dating on purpose, engagement, marriage, and children. You're, you're stumped right now because I'm saying that the process needs to be repeated. What do you mean? You run the course with one wife and then you leave her and then you go do the whole thing over again with somebody else? No, that's not what I'm saying. There's another interesting statistic that I just want to share with you real quick that there's an increased number of people over the 45 years of age uh, in, that, in that demographic. An increased number of people 45 and older are getting divorced. 45 and older. So you've spent years 
with your spouse. And, and the, what they're finding is, is, is that children are a project at some point in the marriage. And so they say things like, well, when the project is finished, meaning when they turn 18, then we will, we will divorce and, and separate. This is my generation. We're doing such a great job, such a wonderful, wonderful job. So when the project is finished, the kids are raised and out of the house, then the marriage is also finished. And I'm just saying, listen, that, that, that that's not, it's not good. And I'm going to talk on the blessings here in a minute of being, um, being an empty nester. But uh, all right, so 1A is this. Do not stop. Never stop being an individual. And I just have a quick question. When was the last time that you did something to better yourself as an individual to benefit your, your spouse? To benefit your spouse. It's amazing to me. People will quit developing themselves just because they've reached this apex of marriage. And if you don't think about it, or if you don't, if you don't believe me, come on, we'll put, and put ourselves in the best shape that we can possibly get in. We'll do all of the, all of the perfume and the, doing our hair and all of these things. And there's no way I'm going to let him see me if I'm not put together. And then all of a sudden, the two of you get married. And, uh, and I did this. I did this to my wife. She's always remained fit. But I put on 50, 60 pounds in a short period of time. And so you, 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 you fight. You sell yourself. You know what this is? In sales, we call this bait and switch. You're promising that person the best version of you, and then all of a the sudden, they buy into it, and then you give them the worst version of you. You were doing everything right when you were dating. You get the girl, and everything goes out the window. And, and women do the same thing. They, they give up on them themselves. My question to you is, and especially you that have been married for a long period of time, when was the last time you did something to better yourself to benefit your husband or your wife? When was the last time? All right. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So I want you to know Way before you were married, when you were single, and even before you were single, when you were in your mother's womb, God had a plan for you. For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And so your purpose does not end whenever you say, I do, at the altar. Like, like your purpose expands because God's got a unique calling for your life. He's got a unique calling for your wife's life. And now it's, it's inclusive. It doesn't segregate and separate. It's inclusive. Now we've got more of a plan and a purpose. God's going to use us together. But I'm still telling you there are certain gifts that you have that your wife may never have. And certain gifts that your wife has that you may never have. And now you're just that much more... You know what I mean, effective. And it shows up in areas like this. When you're weak, she's strong. When she's weak, you're strong. Opposites attract, right? The things that my wife is good at, I am terrible at. The things that I'm good at, she's good at also. But, but it, it, 
I'm married up, I'm just telling you. And, uh, and so when was the last time you did something to better yourself so that you're for the benefit? Because this is the deal is, is a lot of times, and I'm not gonna spend a bunch of time on this, but a lot of times when we go to better ourselves, it's for the wrong reason. It is unfortunate, but if the marriage is suffering, if you are not happy in your marriage, and then all of the sudden, either he or she starts going to the gym and starts getting fit and in shape and whatnot, it's not a 100% indicator that they're on the way out, but it, it deserves some attention. It deserves some attention. And I'm not saying that somebody can't just get in shape to help themselves, but we see it time and time again. Oh my gosh, man, you just dropped, you're just looking so, oh yeah, thank you, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a suffering in the marriage, and what there's, what's happening is there's preparations being made for what's coming next. And, and it happens, guys. You've heard the stories. Maybe you're dealing with that right now, and if you're dealing with that right now, I would say to you, repent of that sin that you've already formed in your, in your mind because the devil is really messing you up right now. All right, people start going to college and getting in. They want to all of a sudden they are showing interest in 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 something. And I'm not saying that, but if the if the marriage is really suffering, it's possible. It's not saying 100 percent, but it's possible that they're already out. What they're doing is they're preparing for what's next. And so once again, if that's you, I would I would just ask you to repent of that. And once again, there's something beautiful about empty nesting. And there's a lot of people that don't get to the place and, and, and be able to enjoy the spouse, the, the incredible intimacy. And I'm not talking about that intimacy. I'm just talking about spending time together uninterrupted. It's like Tina and I, we say this all the time. What do you want to do? We can do whatever we want to do. We, we, we could do whatever. And when you got kids, that's not the case. And so listen, man, don't just raise your kids and give up on some of the most incredible years that God has planned for you. This season of being an empty nester, it's crazy how people will fight against it. Why? Because they have, they have stopped building the relationship and their relationship is solely based on their children. And then when the children are gone, we, we gotta now learn to like and love one another once again. And even if you've got to learn and like one another once again, learn and like and love one another once again because the days ahead of you are incredible, right? You bring God into the center of it, those days are incredible. That's not the time to pull out of it. All right, number, number one, that was, uh, yeah. All right. One B is this continue. Thank you. Who was that Gary? Somebody's detail oriented. I appreciate that. All right. Continue dating on purpose. Continue dating on purpose. This may require some incredible creativity if you have children, but just because you get married doesn't mean that the dating should stop. We know this, we got the knowledge of this, but the understanding is whenever we take the knowledge and we put it into action, come on, when you didn't have her, once again, you were on the chase. You gotta keep pursuing one another. Keep pursuing one another. All right. Um, number one C. One C is engagements. You're like, this is interesting. How's he going to apply this? 
you have to have continued engagements. Engagements. There's got to be a continuation of you coming together on a regular basis. I'm talking about intimacy. It breaks my heart. Sometimes we will meet with, with folks or you just hear stories that people haven't been together for six months, seven months, sometimes a year, sometimes two years. And I'm just saying that if that's the case, somebody say, no bueno. That's very dangerous, very, very, very dangerous place to live. And, and I understand that there's a lot of things that can affect that, like hormones can affect that. How many of you know that we all go through changes? Men go through changes. Women go through changes. But this is the deal. If you have things that are changing in your body, what you need to do is you need to get those things addressed and fixed there are these places called doctors and 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 you know people that can help get hormones regulated and whatnot but for you just to say listen that's of no interest in me i don't even have interest in that anymore is the most selfish thing that a person can do in a marriage relationship and i'm telling you what's what's heartbreaking is there today are more spirit-filled, spirit-led, Bible-believing Christians that are living frustrated lives because we are so stinking selfish and all it is that we do is just think of ourselves. And I'm fixing to share the word of God with you. I'm considering the changes that people go through, but I'm saying get the help that you need. Well, what about I've got abuse in my past? Listen, I get that. And, and, and being with somebody, it might be so much more difficult for you to do that than somebody that's never gone through the abuse that maybe you've gone through. But I'm telling you that there is help out there. And certainly one of the things that God wants to do is take that open wound in your, in your life and bring the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We believe in healing here. We just prayed for, for healing in, in, in our, our service. And guess what? God can heal emotional damage as well. He can, he, can, he can heal physical damage. He can heal spiritual damage. And so for us just to say, well, you just don't understand. This thing has happened to me. And so therefore, this is what you get. That's not, that's not first of all, faith-filled. And it certainly is not, it's not preferring another in, uh, instead of yourself. I'm fixing to share something with you that, that goes so against our culture, but I am telling you it is the word of God and regardless of the, of the lens that you're looking through or what culture says, God's word is true. God's word is true. And oh, by the way, this is, this is the apostle Paul writing to the church. So these are Christians, these are believers, these are, this, is a, this is given to the church that are in relationship with, with the Lord, spirit-filled people. Many of these people on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in unknown languages, and, so, and then also known languages. And so 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now for the matters that, we wrote, that you wrote about, it is good for a man to have sexual... Now for the matters you wrote about. It is good for a man to have sexual relations 
with a woman. It is not good. That's why it was really confusing me. I was like, I was missing that. I was like, this isn't flowing. I got issues. So, so the apostle Paul, I want you to know like his, his, like the perfect picture of a person walking with God is not to marry. So you need to know this. Like the, the Bible says that it is better for a person not to marry than it is for them to marry. Well, why is that? Because that person can give 100% devotion to God. But the apostle Paul says, listen, this isn't a command. It's not a mandate. It's just like better if you are not, you like, you don't have to worry about caring for another person. You can just give all of your devotion with God. But there are things like sexual immorality and things like that that are rampant. And it says things like that if you're going to burn with lust, it's very important that you marry, that you find a woman and marry. The idea is, is that there's going to be relationships so that you don't have to burn with lust anymore, right? So here we are. I'm going to read this slower so I don't mess it up. <laughs> now for the matters you wrote about. It is good. It is not good. It is good. <laughs> it is good for a man not to have. Who? I would not write this like that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So to be single is the best way. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not. And this blows in the face of everything that we're being taught today. It's my body. It's my body. It's my decision. My goodness. The wife does not have the authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And the yielding is not the man coming and, let me take what's mine. You know, your body is mine. No, the wife is yielding her body, sometimes even when she doesn't feel like it. The man is yielding his body, even though there are sometimes he doesn't feel like it, so that the evil one does not destroy them. There is an evil one that is there to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm saying that, that we got a lot of issues together and the church should be the happiest place on the planet. That's all I'm saying. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it. This is something that she desires to do out of a relationship with the Lord. He's not taking it. He's not demanding it. But in the same way, the husband does not have the authority over his in body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other of these relationships, but for a time and also by mutual consent. So we come into agreement. Okay, we're going to take a week. We're going to take two weeks and we're going to give this, give ourselves to prayer. We're going to grow in God, but it's not going to be very long because then we're going to come back together. And that come back together is literally coming back together then come together again so that why? Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And I'm just saying that you can have great self-control. You're putting yourself out there six months or a year. Not a good deal. Not a good deal at all. 
All right, look, you, you got it. We're gonna marry on. So, um, is everybody all right? So I'm gonna share with you, because I've gotta close here real quick. I'm gonna share with you myths of dating or, or misunderstandings of dating. Number one is this, dating is a biblical idea. That's false. Dating is not a biblical idea because the Bible is pretty silent in the area of dating. But one of the beautiful things that the Bible does is it clarifies, you know, what kind of company we should keep and what the character of people that we get close to is supposed to be like. And it talks an awful lot about boundaries that we should, that we should put in play. I want you to know this, that the idea of dating and or courtship is pretty new. It's only about 200 years old and it's man-made. It was put in place so that, so that men could find compatibility with women and women could find compatibility with men. But you know this back in the day, whenever one person would court another person, young people, I want to just talk to you for a second. Your parents... Anytime that you guys would be together and just hanging out and visiting, your parents, both sets of your parents would be there as well. Wow, how cool would that be? You know, you'd be like, I really like you, but we can't get married. Why is that? Because I can't really get along with your parents. No, I'm just totally kidding. I'm totally. But I'm telling you the safeguards and the guardrails that are put in place by having mom and dad there every single moment, you know, you can, you can understand that, that, uh, that nothing, nothing weird would be happening for sure. Um, the idea is to put God into the center of the dating. Number two is this. This is a, a, a myth. Um, dating is wrong. This is false also. Dating is not wrong if you put God in the middle. How often do we, though, do what we know is wrong, but then we pray to God to bless what we know was wrong? It's like, man, I know I shouldn't have done this, or, or I've done this completely backwards, and then all of a sudden our prayers are, you know what I mean, God, help me with this. God, bless this relationship that does not honor you. God, bless this relationship that you know is robbing me of my purpose and what it is that I've been created for. We pray those crazy kinds of prayers. And so, so um, I want you to know this, that dating is oftentimes like applying for a, for a really good job. Have you ever applied to a job and there's more than one interview? Like the better the job, the more the interviews. Like you may have four interviews and then I remember one job that I had, I had three interviews and then I sat in front of a whole panel of the, the owners and the, and the top executives of, of a company and, and boy, that was, that was really wild and tough. But the idea is this, the idea that is if you bomb the first interview, you're not getting a second interview. So if I go into this high paying job, this, this job that demands a lot of qualifications and I go in there and my, and, and my, you know what I mean? My shoes are untied and, and I'm not wearing a belt and my pants are sagging down, you know, way too far. And they're asking me questions and I'm just like, yeah, or nah, or yeah, I don't know. The chances of them calling me back are pretty slim right? It's zero. It's absolutely zero. Why? Because the company knows what it is that they're looking for. But what's crazy is, is we as the company, 
we don't even spend enough time to ask the question, what are we looking for? We're just throwing a bunch of lines out in the water. And if something comes along and hits the line, then, well, that must be that must be it. Can I just tell you this, that dating is a time where you you go out and you're assessing the person. Is this person going the same direction that I'm going? Do they even have the same belief systems? You know what I'm saying? Once again, do they have a job? Do they have ambition or vision in life? You know, what do they want to do? And guess what? If at any time that that person doesn't line up with where it is that God is calling you to go, then it's no hard feelings because there's no commitment that's been made. There's no, just because I went on a date with you doesn't mean that there's any commitment whatsoever to you. And so, so at any time, you can just say, hey, listen, this isn't working. This isn't working for me. We're going two different directions. But this is what we do. We call people back where the company that has all the interview process and you don't even qualify for it, they will never give you a call back. What are we doing the next morning? Hey, are we going to go out this weekend? We're going to go. And, and they bombed the interview. There's, they're, they're, they're not going in, but yet we love the idea of being with somebody that will be with anybody. We hate the idea of being alone, so if they've got a couple of good qualities, then, then that's okay, that's okay with me. I'm just saying that we've got to get better at that. Number three, this is a statement, dating is the destination. That is wrong, that's false. Dating is not a destination. There are times where I will meet people and, and they'll be like, hey, I, wanna, I want you to, I want to introduce you to my fiance. I'm like, oh man, that's gay. Oh, by the way, congratulations, you two. How long have you been together? Oh, about 16 years. 16 years? Yeah, you've met our son too. Your son's 16 years old. Your son's fixing to go to college and you're still just fiance, like engaged? You're not engaged. I want to talk to you just for a second. In the event that you have had a long-term relationship and you introduce or we're engaged or maybe you haven't even gotten married, but it just makes it a whole lot cleaner. You're lying to people and telling people, hey, man, this is my wife. This is this is my husband or we're engaged. And oh, yeah, how long you been together? Oh, about seven, eight years, nine years, 10 years. Let me just say this, that a conversation that you should have with your fiance, your long-term fiance, is where do you see this going? Where, where do you see this relationship going? And if the first thing that you experience is a distant gaze and then a knee-jerk response, it is possible that they are just fine with no commitment whatsoever to you. And then what I would do is I would ask the question, why is that? Because what's been revealed is there is brokenness. They, they love you enough, you know what I mean, to not be committed and share, and they want everything that you have to offer, but they don't love you or trust you enough to spend the rest of their days with you. Maybe they've come through a bad divorce. Maybe, maybe she took all of his money. Maybe, maybe he took all her money. I have no idea. But I'm telling you, if you're going to do things the Christian way, 
A covenant relationship is legally binding. So it's, it's about the commitment and the covenant that you have with one another, but there's also a legal aspect of it, to do, of it as well. This is why in, you know, Moses, he says, uh, he says, I give a decree or a, a certificate of divorce that is to be qualified by the courts and the, the legal authorities in the event that there is adultery in the relationship. And so these things are, are not only done before God and there's a covenant commitment before the Lord, but they're also, I believe, recorded. And so you can say all day long, yeah, 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 we got the, co we got the commitment and all of these things, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, I would be wondering, where is this going and why is it? Because typically there's something broken that needs to be, that needs to be healed. Dating is a vehicle that gets you to covenant relationship. How many of you ever ridden on a Greyhound bus? When I was a kid, man, I used to take Greyhound bus from Hermiston to Twin Falls. My dad lived in Twin Falls and I'd go. How many of you ever taken Amtrak? Amtrak. Back in the day, man, my, my, my dad worked uh, uh, for the Union Pacific Railroad. And so we would take Amtrak. It's a way of travel. You know what's crazy is, is those, pe those, those two forms of transportation are not meant to be lived in. They are, they, are, they are there to make you comfortable for a short period of time so that you can get to your destination. Some of y'all may have been living on the Greyhound bus for 16 years, <laughs> for 10 years, and you've never, you have ne it was never God's plan and intention for you to live on the bus but to get to a destination and, and, and make a commitment. Number four is this. Dating is safe. That's the fourth statement. This is a false statement. It's dangerous when you date the wrong person. I'm telling you, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. When you begin to open your heart to the wrong person, your purpose can be destroyed. Your destination can be destroyed. Bad company corrupts good character. You take one girl that loves Jesus or one guy that loves Jesus and ends up, you know, getting together with somebody that, that, that doesn't love Jesus. It typically doesn't turn out real well. How many celebrities and pastors and athletes and common folks do we know that everything just fell apart because of one bad relationship? It's all over the place. If you will just, if you'll see it, if you'll be aware, you'll see it. And, um, and a bad relationship can just cause a lot of destruction. This is number five, and this is the last one. Somebody say amen. amen. Number five, we're done. Amen. Relationships require boundaries. This is a true statement. Relationships require guardrails. They, they require fences. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your hearts above all else for it determines the course of your life. When you don't have guardrails, when you don't have fences, it allows corruption to come into your heart. And when you don't have, when you don't have guardrails, what you have is you have recreational dating. This is when we date one person for a period, and then we date another person, and then we date another person, another person. And I'm just saying, when you recreational date, you invite strangers into your life to come and take whatever it is that they want with no commitment 
You know what I'm saying? With no responsibility, they can just come and take whatever it is that they want, leaving you with a bag full of pain. My closing thought is this. I think it's interesting that when Adam was created by God, he was able to spend, I don't know how much time, but a little bit of time just with God himself. God would come down and and walk with him and talk with him. And he had some really cool responsibilities that God kind of brought him alongside of. And But I want you to know that he was in the Garden of Eden and Adam, somebody say, Adam was in the presence of God. Say it again, Adam was in the presence of God. So when Eve was created out of man, the first man that she ever met was found in the presence of God. I have no idea why people think it's a good idea to go outside of the presence of God, outside of Eden, to meet somebody that has no experience with the presence of God, seemingly fall in love with them, and then their ambition is just to drag that person into the presence of God and say, no, 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 this is how we worship. We raise our hands like this. And while sometimes that works, I mean, sometimes, I mean, God is not, he's a miracle-making God. And like I said, I stand before you not getting anything right, but I would not recommend anybody to do things anywhere close to what I did. Because out of a hundred times, it may work 1%. Like most of the stories is, is, wow, it started off wrong and it just went south really quick, right? And so, and so it's interesting that we go outside of Eden where the presence of God is, and we're searching, we're going to the club, we're going to the bar, we're going to this area or that area, then all of a sudden we drag him back and it just doesn't work, it falls apart. So what do we do? What do we do? We go back out to the same bar, the same club, and then we bring him back. And then it doesn't work, and what do we do? We go back out to the same bar, and instead of saying, listen man, the bar, is not the best place. We say, well, something must be broken with this bar. I'm going to go to another bar. You know what I'm saying? They're just not producing good quality people out of that bar. And so we go to another bar and we bring them back and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't work. How about you go look for a lifelong partner to enter into covenant relationship with Meet them at a place where they're going that we just don't even understand how hard that is and how difficult that is. I may not, but if you start praying and make some commitments, I do know this, that God's able to probably bring you a couple to choose from. A couple good ones to choose from. And then this one's just bonus. This is bonus. You got two people that love God or in the church, two people you've been praying, man, I just, I'm just... You know, God, just give me somebody that loves you. And then all of a sudden, God answers the prayer. You take that person, which is an answered prayer, and you take them out of Eden, right back out to the bar and the establishment. See, I, I watch social media. I, I don't cast judgment and whatnot, but I'm just telling you, it amazes me because I've been on the front end whenever somebody is down 
praying for a husband, praying for a wife, and God, I want them to be godly, and I want them to love you, and I want them to, you know, be just like me, and then all of a sudden, God answers the prayer, and now you're going to take them out here, and, and maybe not go to church, but maybe once a Sunday in a month. That's just extra. That's extra. But I'm just saying that, man, oh man, this life is too, the life is too short and the enemy is too crafty to be messing, messing around. Come on, we've got to come to that place where we say, as for, and we're not going to be perfect. We're going to get it wrong all the time. But as for me and my house, man, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.